All right, Kev, I'm fired up. We're finally here. Finally here. The best, the best sports Monday of the year um, in this small sample size of 2023 so far. We are at the Sony Open. We are at the beginning of the 2023 first annual Survivor Pool. How are you feeling? That's right. Yeah. Uh, big night. You know, I, know, I always seem to forget this coming up to it, but this first, uh, this first Monday always falls on the national championship night for college football as well, uh, which if you've been following that at all, seems like it might be pretty close to over already and yeah. well past the first quarter, but. So we're uh, on to the second best thing. <laughs> that's right. Happy to be uh, on to our, our first full uh, field event for golf. First cut event, which means the, the start of this survivor pool. And uh, yeah, excited to get into it. Um, see what we got. All right, cool. So just a quick recap and just to address how every week is going to go. Um, with the drop of this podcast uh, and with probably every Tuesday, Monday night, Tuesday morning, everybody that's playing is going to get um, an email from survivorgolfentries at gmail.com with uh, that particular week's tournament and a, a call for you to make your picks before uh, Thursday's tee off at whatever time, whatever time that takes place. Um, so when you get that email, what you're going to do is um, for every entry that you have, just send uh, to that email only reply one uh, that particular golfer that you're going to pick for that week. Um, if you are running multiple entries, I find it easy for bookkeeping sake to keep your entries uh, separate and, and keep track of what you've had for each entry. Uh, and what I mean by that, as I guess, if you have three golfers, keep one, two, and three in that order uh, for the entire season. So uh, Tiger Woods, John Rahm, and Rory McIlroy, your three, make sure you put them in some different order the next week so that you don't conflict. Um, you know, we'll try our best to send out reminders uh, if, you know, we catch somebody with a duplicate or if we catch somebody without a pick, but um, in the case that we don't catch that or aren't able to remind you, it'll just void your entry. And if um, if it is on your second chance, um, that'll mean you're out. Uh, but hopefully that's a quick recap of, of how the week will go. Um, and then obviously, you know, uh, as we get into every other one of these podcasts, we'll have uh, some numbers to run and, and see how many entries started, how many entries remain, and, and give a quick rundown of um, where the pool sits after each tournament. Cool. So um, with that, Let's uh let's talk about this past weekend, Century Tournament of Champions. I got to start off right off the bat by just calling myself out. Um, so on this podcast last time, I made what I thought was a brilliant uh, pick of Colin Morikawa, twenty-two to one to win the tournament. I was feeling so good going into Sunday. Uh, he's playing unbelievable, absolutely on fire. Looks great. Up by six. Uh, the tournament is a birdie fest. Nobody's really making bogeys. I see Kev and I, I say in advance, I can't wait for the podcast because I'm going to drop a really funny line about how good I am at betting. I'm going to say, you know, like I called Morikawa, right? But am I going to do that every single time? Yes. Yes, I absolutely am. And of course, as we know, that's uh, never great to be premature in any setting. And um, yeah, didn't, didn't end up being uh, able to close the job. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, if you got to watch any of that tournament, you saw he was, you know, Morikawa was, was leading the first three days, uh, you know, 
in, in dominant fashion. He went into Sunday with, I believe, a six-shot lead. Um, and the biggest difference we saw for him was the putting, which is usually just not there for him. The rest of his game, obviously, Tita Green is super solid, but um, he was just putting so well um, over the course of those first three days. And, um, yeah, I see this a lot online, you know, on Twitter and stuff like that. But the, the rule is we, you don't tweet on Thursdays, right? It's a long, it's a long right. four rounds of golf. That's right. And, uh, you know, Ed, Ed won't bring this up, but, but I will. You know, he, um, he was involved in a pretty big uh, survivor pool for the NFL, uh, which went obviously last, this past Sunday was the final day. Um, and he unfortunately he had to make two selections, uh, both last week in week 17 and this week in week 18. Uh, and he made it through to the final round, hit a pretty big pot. So, uh, congratulations to him for that. But I was thinking about this, you know, at last night after, you know, all the uh, smoke had sort of settled. And I said, you know, if you, if you had said on Sunday morning that you're, that you would have hit the NFL survivor pool with both picks and your Morikawa outright would have lost it would have been almost like unbelievable like statement to make. Right. Like just yes. thinking about the, the chances of that happening. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I guess I will take if, if it, if I can hit a big, you know, 18 week pot and be wrong cause I'm an idiot and I'm celebrating, <laughs> you know, five hours before tee off, I'll take that. But my, my big takeaway from that weekend, well, I got to be honest, the, the first three days was all about Colin and I thought he was going to run away with it. And the narrative coming out was going to be, you know, this is it. Like, we're just going to crown this guy because if he cleaned up his putting and, and, and really through the first three rounds, he was so super solid. Went, went back to the conventional grip, really looked more confident, looked a little more loose. If he puts that together, he just doesn't have a weakness. His game fits every single major, it fits every single course. And, and he, you know, he's somebody who could roll off, um, you know, a bunch of wins, but get to Sunday. And then the narrative for me becomes all about John Rahm. That dude just got so hot and it, it sort of reminded me his, his attitude on the course and in uh, his post interview, I just feel like going into the season, he is playing with some weird chip on his shoulder that he feels disrespected or angry about something because, you know, immediately after the tournament, he's uh, shitting all over the ranking points and saying, you know, if the ranking points were legit, I'd be number one since August. And he's probably right. And it actually echoed some comments he made at the end of the last season where he's like, you know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting roasted because everybody's saying I have a down season and a down season is suddenly just two wins and, you know, rattling off all his top fives, but no majors for him. And that's, you know, that's what the standards become. And I, I really just feel when I'm looking at him, he's just a meaner, angrier dude who might just be out for blood now. And that's that's dangerous. Yeah, there was a couple just watching um, over this weekend. There was a couple names that came to mind in terms of, you know, you're in my plays that we gave out on the pod last weekend. And there were two big names that I, you know, I looked at and I just can't believe we left these guys out. One was John Rahm, of course. Uh, and the other was Scheffler just with the, I mean, the year, the guy, he shows up at every single tournament. That it's, he just in, like, <laughs> always, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Always in contention. Um, and yeah, I really look, two of them, I think are going to, like you said, definitely have a big year for sure. So look for big, some big things out of both of them, I think. I just, I, you know, I keep expecting Scotty to just fall off and it just doesn't matter. Like you said, what the venue or what the tournament, what the course, uh, you know, conditions layout are. 
he's always just on the first page of the leaderboard when you're looking at the broadca- broadcast. It's just super duper duper solid. Yeah. Take anything else from there. I, I sort of put down like some other people I was concerned with, some other people that really I was sort of encouraged by. I can go through a couple. Like So for me, when I looked at my concern list, I don't like seeing Xander Schauffele start to pull out with back injuries. Um, first event of the season with no weather on not challenging course. Um, I know he said that he hadn't gotten checked out and he was, you know, sort of trying to wait to get back to the States, but you never want to see somebody with a nagging injury like that, especially, you know, if your guy pulls out, um, you know, in the tournament and you've picked him, that's, that's it for you, unfortunately. So it's definitely something, you know, where you're going to have to be checking like football, like your, your questionable list. Um, so that's one. And, and then I looked at Justin Thomas and, and that just, it was surprising to me for a guy who, is such a, uh, you know, incredibly long off the tee, can shape it every way, has every shot, can get super hot and sort of go, uh, you know, downhill in a hurry um, to see him, you know, not really ever competitive uh, and contending. I think he finished at like 15 under, which is, um, you know, nowhere near Rom or, or the lead. And, uh, you know, who knows? It's just one tournament, but I, I was expecting him to come out a little hotter. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'll speak on the back injury first, for sure a concern. Um, but like you said, you don't know if it's just him being cautious. And then one of the things I think we have to look at a little bit at this point, you know, it's the first tournament of the, the, the real season. You know, there will be they have these guys, they have the fall swing, but a lot of them don't play in a lot of those tournaments. So we're really still at like a very small sample size in terms of the injury stuff and the play. And um, another point I think is that, I think about this a lot, like, as it comes up, because there's some, like, kind of similar, like, birdie fest tournaments, like, over the summer um, that are similar to this one. And I think we've discussed this in the past as well. But what happens at these events where uh, the winning score is, like, high 20s or or 30 under even, is it brings uh, so much more of the field into play. And the reason for that is because, you know, these guys are all, they play on the tour, they're all talented. But what it takes to make 30 birdies across, you know, or whatever, however many birdies these guys are making over four rounds is you, you really have to get hot with the putter for, you know, for a long time. And, and that, that I think is the most unpredictable thing that we can see. So while, you know, you mentioned someone like JT, he goes out and shoots 15 under. It doesn't, I don't think it necessarily means the game's not there. It means just maybe like he didn't roll in as many putts as, as some of these other guys did. Right. Whereas now if you compare to the majors, where the field is so tough and the, and it's the utmost difficult conditions, that's where you can, I think you can really be confident taking a guy who's top 25 in the world because they legitimately are the only ones that have the skill set across 72 holes to, to compete in those really difficult courses and really difficult fields. So I, for me personally, I almost have a harder, I, I'm very much more nervous on these easier courses where I know uh, uh, sort of like a no-name guy can make a run and, and put himself in contention. And if a, if a really great golfer has like an average week and the cut's minus six, minus seven, he might be going home because if he just makes par for the first two days, you know, he's, he's done. So, Yeah, you said it right. And that's a pretty good segue into previewing the first tournament of the year, the Sony. And, and to your point, last year's winner, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, I know uh, I read some stat that going into the tournament of champions, which always precedes this tournament, I think he finished dead last in shots gained putting in, in that tournament, the century, and then number one 
uh, in the Sony the following week, which which you know speaks to the volatility, like you said, of that particular part of uh, you know most any top player's game. Um, but yeah, let, let's get into the Sony, Kev. I know you dug into this pretty deep, so what do you got? Yeah, so this week, like we said previously, so this is our first uh, full field, full cut event. Um, so it, we continue, or they continue playing in Hawaii. Uh, this course is called Wiley Country Club. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but it's um, a lot of, <laughs> it, lot of vowels, man. Yeah, yeah. I tried to spell it, like type it out earlier, and I had to look back like eight times to A I A L W A I A L A E, which is just it's hard to just say it. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So. Okay, so we got a uh, 70,044-yard par 70. Uh, There are four par threes, 12 par fours, and uh, two par fives. So um, the two par fives actually are two of the easier par fives on the entire PGA Tour. Um, And the course is is shorter, I would say, by PGA Tour. Uh, tour, uh, tour standards. The, there's a couple drivable par fours, particularly the 10th. Uh, if, the, if the weather conditions are uh, right, is, is very much a drivable hole for, um, for a lot of these guys. Uh, like you had mentioned earlier, Hideki won last year with a score of minus 23 uh, in a playoff with Russell Henley. Uh, both those guys in the field this week as well. Um, the other thing I saw is that the, the fairways are very much fast and firm. Uh, and it can make it difficult to keep drives uh, sort of on the short grass. So uh, you will see massive rollouts. If you watched any of um, this past weekend's tournament, you saw this as well. Like these guys are hitting balls. The, the fairways are so sloped and undulated that they would hit their ball up on the high side of one fairway and it would almost fall down. It kind of reminded me of Newton Connell a little bit, like these huge, yeah. huge runoffs on the fairway. And, and we saw drives. Uh, this past weekend of like 400 plus. That's right. On that 18, especially it's crazy. Yeah. Not because these guys are hitting the ball that far because they're getting hundred yard rollouts and, and that's just sort of what it's ending up as. Um, So you would think with that um, and the 18th hole on this course in particular uh, has been the most difficult fairway to hit on tour actually since 2012. So about for the last 10 years. Only uh, 30, 31% of all tee shots have actually stayed on the green on that hole. Now, as I say that, you would think that uh, that would sort of put a premium on uh, driving accuracy, but that is actually, if you look at the numbers, not the case. Um, and I think this is kind of like a growing trend that we're seeing in the PGA Tour in general, where the rough around the fairway is just not that punitive. And um these guys really don't care. Like they're going to hit the ball as hard as they can. And if it ends up in the rough and they're 80 yards away from the green, it's really not that much of a deterrent for them. They can still very much easily uh, get the ball on in regulation and and have a look at birdie. Um, So with that being said, like I said, the 18th hole is the most difficult fairway to hit on tour. That is also one of those par fives that I mentioned earlier, which is playing as one of the easiest par fives. So that sort of speaks to that point is that it really just doesn't, some holes don't matter as much in terms of hitting fairways if there's not a a ton of trouble. The main defense for this course is the wind. Um, And I looked ahead at the weather. There's nothing over five miles per hour predicted for um, any of the four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So I would predict that there's going to be lower scores again. Something probably like in the low to mid-20s will win, um, I'm predicting again um, this week. 
what I do think is going to be important, like it is almost every week, is uh, approach shots, particularly uh, yardage of 125 to 175 yards. You want to look at proximity. Who's, who's uh, getting the ball closer to the hole from those distances? Um, there is some trouble around the greens. There's a good amount of bunkers. And then as you get closer to the green, the rough does get uh, thicker and longer. So you want to also look for guys who are good at um, scrambling and, and good around the greens. If they happen to miss those greens, they want to be able to get up and down for, um, for par. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much all I had, I think, on that. I don't know if you had anything else to add as well. You, you said it. I, I really think, I mean, uh, just speaking to a lot of your point, the course is shorter, way below PGA Tour standards, but to your point, tighter and uh, way harder to hit. But guys just ignore that now. Um, uh, from, from what I've read, uh, you'll see a lot of guys forego um, hitting the middle of a fairway and playing from the fairway to purposefully, not well, maybe not purposefully, but um, be willing to drive the ball in the rough to get themselves a better angle at the green, regardless of uh, the condition of the rough. Now, apparently they've grown it out a little more than last year. So a bit, it would be a little more punitive, but still a lot of these guys, you put a wedge in their hand, you know, unless we're talking the worst U.S. Open conditions, they're going to be able to make it work from the from the rough. So we we may be getting, um, much like this century, a, a birdie fest here, which makes, um, you know, picking the right golfer to make the cut a little more volatile than usual, uh, especially in a little watered down field. Um, so when I'm, when I'm looking at who I'm personally considering this week, I'm looking at, like Kev said, um, people that are good, uh, approach to the green, um, shots gained approach is one of the shots that or one of the stats that I was sort of looking for. Um, so looking for the purest ball strikers, trying to, uh, you know, get on an easier, easier green to make some birdies that way. And I also looked at uh, some weird stat that, you you know, again, small samples, so you never know. But over the last, I think it was three years, 80% of the golfers that played in the century that played next week in the Sony made the cut. Um, so I am sort of being a little more biased to people that played last week or a little sharper who have been down here. Um, and, and you got a little uh, a chance to watch watch them play a little bit so you know a little bit of, of what form they're in. Um, now, obviously, there aren't a lot of ton, a ton of guys like that. But, you know, if there's a tiebreaker, maybe you go with what you know versus somebody making their first start. Um, I also thought, is this a week that you could potentially get cute and pick one of the plotters on tour? And the first name that popped into mind as I'm looking at this course is my least favorite golfer on earth. Probably the nicest guy in the world. But this to me is like a Webb Simpson special course right here. Like a dude that can get away with just being solid because the par fives are gettable, because it does put a little bit more of a premium on, you know, hitting fairways, getting close. Could you get cute and maybe ignore some of the studs here and go with somebody like freaking Webb Simpson or somebody boring like that, who you may never have a chance to, to pick again and feel confident. Now, are you feeling confident picking him here? I would not be uh, personally, but you know, if you're playing multiple entries, this is one where you could maybe get away uh, going with somebody in that second or third tier, because there are a lot of easier birdies to be had. I don't know. Did you get a chance to look at the field? Do you have like, you know, your guys you're looking at what went through your brain as you're sort of, Narrowing yeah, down. a little bit. Um, like you said, it definitely is a more watered down field for sure. Um, I saw something online today that was like, this kid, you know, they're not Webb Simpson. I know he has 
a lot of children. It's always like the not it's like what people say. Yes. I don't know exactly how many he has, but the thing I saw online was like uh this is one of kid Webb's kids named Wiley or whatever the whatever the yeah. course's name is, and he goes it goes asking for my best. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so Webb Webb actually like at that point that we made um about like guys who just <laughs> will make grind it out and make pars like we've been on the wrong side with that guy especially as you when you were like kind of leading into what you were saying with like looking for plotters i knew i knew you're going you with the web, voice man. changed like just something inside <laughs> of me just wakes up where it just gets so angry i think he's knocked me he he's knocked probably three four entries out like late in the season yeah, yeah i it, it just he, i'm sure he's a great guy he's obviously an incredible golfer like he, you know good christian dude yeah I, I just i can't stand it. it it's tough it's tough and he's one of those guys is that he will um i just worry if he can get hot enough to make that many birdies you know it's the same thing with like some of these great guys I, and i remember this last year too um i think it was i forget if it was you or i but we had picked uh Fitzpatrick in some, yeah. one of those springtime yes. tournaments yep. same thing it was uh and he I mean obviously great golf we've seen obviously he's won a major last year like he's had incredible success but sometimes they're the, I mean, just like traditional grinder and they can't um they don't have the firepower to like fire yeah. off all these birds yeah. in store I don't know what it is but yeah uh, but it's just really frustrating to watch when you're following them yep. um and, but, and I just I just feel oh, my bad dude but like if you if you watch, if you're following one of these guys and you watch them start off with a double bogey or start off with, with some sort of, um, you know, bogey, bogey, bogey stretch and they play a side over par, it's so brutal to watch guys who aren't, um, you know, spectacular shot makers, aren't bombers, who you know don't have five, six, seven birdies in there to come all the way back. You know, if it's almost like watching a, a bad football team go down early and just knowing they're they don't have the offense to to reduce that deficit. That's that's the danger where you try to get away with with some of these guys that, you know, they have a rough start. You're, you're done and you're, and you're just drawing dead for, uh, you know, a round and a half. Yeah, and we typically I mean, just historically looking at these tournaments like um, and of course, a lot of this has to do with the size of the field at the start of the year, but. We typically see like a large drop off in terms of like guys getting cut from these pool, these survivor pools at the beginning of the year. And I'm sure, that, like I said, it's a combination of having so many entries in at the beginning, but also I think just the knowledge that we have and the lack of um, seeing these guys play and so a lot of them in such a long time. I think uh, you are largely guessing, you know, with a lot of these guys and what they're going to bring at this point in the season. I think, unfortunately, so. Yep. Well. I drew um I had like a few picks and I put them sort of in like the the obviouses the the less obviouses and then if you really want to try to um you know steal uh a cut made here and not use anybody um that you know for the most part you're going to be considering very many more times in the season. Um so of my favorites um you know and we're talking the two three four guys who are probably favorite to win the tournament uh so be rhyme time here. Uh Tom Kim Sung J M. All right. And that's obviously the favorite and the third favorite. So it's not like I'm, you know, a genius here. Um, but to make a long story short, Tom Kim might be one of the hottest golfers in the world. He was hot last week. And then I just love the way uh Sung J's irons looked um throughout the century. So I feel great if I'm banking on somebody to to have a strong approach game, that Sung J is gonna be the one to get it done. 100 percent Yeah. Um, both of those guys 
very strong game. The, the form, the recent form is there for sure. Um, so definitely feel confident with going with either one of them. Uh, a couple other guys I was looking at a little bit further down. Um, I, I like Corey Connors a lot. Again, he can be a little bit scary sometimes, but not, not so much recently. Within the past year, year and a half, he has been, for the most part, uh, very much solid. He hits the ball mile, um, and great part five scorer. So I think he's just going to eat up these part fives this weekend, I'm hoping. Um, he's uh, listed at 25 to one right now on the betting board. So a little bit further down. And um, another guy, this guy, this guy's similar type game, but a little bit more volatile, I would say, is uh, Cam Davis, um, who I really like a lot as well. And he, um, in my opinion, shows up at these uh, scoring tournaments. I've, I've used him as, as in them uh, in years past, and in my memory, at least, he's always got the job done. So um, there's another guy I'm sort of looking at there. Yeah, I I, I had uh, Corey Connors, too, as like a mid-tier guy, not quite an obvious guy. The putter's always been sort of an issue, but the ball striking yeah. is so good, so that in, in good conditions, not a lot of wins, like you can count on him hopefully getting a few easy chances, like you said, especially on the par five. Um, I also like Russell Henley, uh, another, I guess, semi-obvious choice because he uh, you know almost won this last year with Hideki. Um you know, everybody remembers that three wood into the green um, to to end that for Hideki and put that on ice. That's just one of the best shots I've ever seen. But uh, forgotten in that is that Henley's been always really has been a fantastic ball striker. So played here uh, last year, had success on the course, played last week at the Century, had pretty good success there, too. Um, I like that. And then I also like Brian Harmon, a uh, little lefty. Um Pretty good putter and great short game as well. Like like Kev said, if you are going to get in trouble here and you're going to make some bogeys, it's going to be from around the green and sort of, uh, you know, scrambling to make pars or or on, you know, the par fives trying to, uh, you know, put a third shot close to to get a kick in birdie there. But um, Harmon's got a great short game, was great last week as well. Player in the century, again, like him in, you know, just being out there and playing. So. For sure. Um couple other guys I was looking at, uh, we saw, I mean, last week we saw JJ Spawn's 45 to one sample size small. He kind of came up out of nowhere last week, although he did have a pretty good, um, sort of fall swing there. And he's just, he's got to untuck that shirt, man. You know, I don't know what That's he's right. doing. Man. That's right. That's right. You go, you <laughs> first round time. leader with the untucked shirt and you tuck it back in for two, three and four. That's a mistake. Yeah. And, uh, the other guy is Gary Woodland, you know, we haven't seen, you know, former U.S. Open winner a couple of years ago, kind of game fell off a little bit after that. But, um, you know, he's, he's shown some bright spots and he's, he's an unbelievable talent um, for sure. So I think, um, you know, getting him a little bit further on down the board, you might, might not be a name that people go to immediately, but the, the talent's there for sure. So I like him a lot as well. Yep. I like that, Kev. And, and now to get to like some of my really risky plays that I'm actually considering that I, you know, I don't hold me to this, but these are names that are floating in my head of, you know, plays. Hopefully I can try to steal one. I like uh, Siwoo Kim, great ball striker, great off the tee, has played well, is in good form. Um, every time I see him, he seems to just be making cuts under the radar. I haven't seen him contend too often, but it's got some good game. I like, uh, uh, I like Webb Simpson, unfortunately, uh, again, actually, 
I I can tell you for a fact I will not be playing him just because of my personal history. <laughs> but if if he didn't you know burn me every single year, he would be somebody that I would consider. And then um, my last guy is Brendan Steele. And uh, I know we'll get to that, but I also sort of like him as a sneaky long shot for a top 10 finish or a top five finish in this tournament. Just been really solid form, great course history as well. All right. Yeah, a couple long shots I got here. This guy, I mean, he uh, he's kind of like Webb Simpson, but for me, like similar game, but he has never, he's like Mr. Reliable for me. Like when I need a cut made, I go to this guy and that's uh, Kevin Streelman. He is, Oh, Mr. Travelers. Mr. Travelers. That's right. That's the the number one tournament that comes to mind when I think of him. But he, uh, Travelers is kind of another scoring tournament there. But um, yeah, he he is just very incredibly consistent cup maker. Um, The game is there for sure. And another one I like is a little bit further back up the board is uh, Nick Hardy who uh, hasn't been on tour all that long. He just graduated college like a year or two ago. Uh, went to Illinois, but uh, really good talent. Hasn't had a chance to have a ton of success yet on the PGA Tour. He's only played in a few professional tournaments, but uh, incredibly talented player. So I'm, I'll be watching him, interested to see sort of how he does this week as well. Okay, let's end at least talk about the Sony with giving our uh, our professional uh, betting picks for the weekend um, after after our stellar performance last week. Although if you, uh, if you followed us, you could have gotten uh, Morikawa first round leader and, and gotten a little bit of, a little bit of something. And then, you know, you could have also gotten like a great feeling going into Sunday's round. Other than that, I'm not sure. Uh, so here are my, here are my plays to win outright. I got a, I got sort of a moderate favorite, a mid, and then like a long shot. I like Corey Connors at 22 to one. Kev mentioned Tim. I don't need to go through all the reasons that Kev said, but just it's a course that could favor him. Uh, plays to his strengths. He could he could go very low here. Um, and I mentioned the other one, uh, my mid range uh, earlier, Siwoo Kim, forty to one. Uh, I just love the number uh, with that strong of a ball striker. And then finally, for my last win outright, I like Chris Kirk at eighty to one. If you're looking for just a bomb sort of dart throw, um, you know, once a season type hit in these birdie fest course, birdie fest courses, um, you know, as you're getting into the 50, 60, 70, 80 to one range, uh, I'm looking for solid players uh, that I know uh, are are great and can go low and have gone low in the past. And and I haven't seen Chris Kirk play this year, but he's somebody that I've seen um, play real well in the past. So for 80 to one, you just you just see what happened. All right, love it. Um, yeah, I had um, I had Connors listed as my favorite as well um, for my sort of top tier guy there. Um, I, in terms of a mid range guy, uh, I'm gonna go with Gary Woodland. I, I listed when I talked with him earlier. I uh, I listed him as fifty to one just because that's what uh, DraftKings is showing now. But when I looked, I had looked on uh, on Sunday a little bit when I first saw the odds come out. I saw him at sixty to one, so that's the number I'll advertise here in the pod. Nice, uh, nice. <laughs> and then my last guy, I had when I looked, I saw one ten to one, and that is uh, not a guy we mentioned yet, but that's Patton Gazire. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he won this tournament, I think four years ago, maybe three, four years ago, um, hits the ball really far. His game is very much streaky. Um, but when he's on, you'll see him pop up at like the top of leaderboard sometimes just randomly at these courses that fit his game. 
so I think it's worth a shot at one at a at one ten to one there. Maybe he uh he has a good week this week, so we'll see. Cool. Also threw around just just for brainstorming sake. I like Andrew Putnam and Brandon Steele as well. I always like sort of like first round top five type bets for them, like especially if they're super low on the board. Um, all right. The last thing I want to do, talked about this earlier and sort of planned. I, I asked Kev and, and I thought of um in a situation where uh you need a golfer to shoot a low round for a billion dollars. Who, who would you pick? Give me your top five. And I know that's sort of tough to do with golf because it really kind of depends on the course a little bit and obviously form. And it's not like, um, you know, every, everybody could just go say, uh, you know, 99 Tiger Woods and, and we can just, you know, we could end it there. But right now, January 9th, 2023, who are your top five players in the world? Um, so why don't we go? Why don't we go my one, your one, and we'll just go. We'll go like that and alternate. And and my one is like I just like the highest ceiling I think in the world is Rory McIlroy. As annoying as I think he's sort of been with some of this live stuff and been just a little dramatic with the with the like out you know speaking out against it and all that stuff. He to me, if he plays his best game, there's just nothing that he can't do at the best level in the world. And obviously, you know his his. T, you know, T off game, his his skills with his driver and the advantage that that gives him is just so crazy. Um, so yeah, I know I know he can be streaky and has obviously faltered uh down the stretch a lot on some big stages, but um Rory for me is my the best player on the planet right now. Um okay, yeah, and just as a sort of precursor to this, so full disclosure, last week uh before we came on the pod, we did discuss our bets ahead of time. So we like kind of told each other who we had and we all had different people this week we we did not so we did not discuss yes. who we had the bet and we did not discuss who our top five is so i'm actually interested to see how how similar uh they are here so uh, my <laughs> we'll see so my uh let me see okay so my number one uh for right now i have is uh scotty scheffler and i and for me um I mean, he's been a guy that I've sort of always followed, but just I was so impressed with his full, obviously, last season of golf in terms of like the, you know, all the majors, all the big tournaments, all he he just um, complete game, and and I, I I'm a very big believer in um, sort of like the men, obviously the mental aspect of it, but I, I think I just think that that is so important when it comes to consistency week in and week out, right? And so if we're basing this off of like I need one guy to make the cut for for all the money that I have, that's sort of going to be the basis of of this list that I make. Um and I and I'll say it right now, spoiler alert, um he's the best golfer in the world and Ed just named him. He did not make my top five or an right? And it was hard because yeah. um he is probably the number one talent. I think he is. Yeah. Um, but I've seen him like when the, and this is like a very small, like amount of tournaments, but when like the, at the open, when everyone's expecting him to win, he crumbles a little bit sometimes. And that's always like, I think I, I'm too harsh on him, but that's always bothered me a little bit about Rory. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Know. When it sets up perfect for him, sometimes it just like, it just, do, it won't happen. It just doesn't happen. I know. I know, awesome. and I I want to. He's such a likable guy. I I do like him. I, I root for yeah. him when he plays. I just uh, yep. I don't know. But. Yep. All right. My number two is John Rom, Tournament of Champions champion. 
Um, and for me, it's just, you talked about it, Kev, just like the mental toughness and the competitiveness in this dude and just watching him just like grind out tournament after tournament and major win coming from behind at the U.S. Open and just always in contention. And then if you're just talking about the technical aspect, just again, somebody with just no weakness at all. Um, it, it literally, his only weakness sometimes is his, uh, you know, volatility with his emotions. Um, but when he's on, like you saw it Sunday at this, the century, like he will just pour them in relentlessly. And, and it looks like this year, like I said, like he is just loving doing it. It's like, he's trying to make a statement. And I'm, if this is the ROM, like quote unquote revenge season, like I don't, I don't exactly know what the offense is, but this is the revenge season for Rom. Like I'm pretty excited to see what that looks like. For sure. Yeah. Love that. Love that pick. Um, okay. My number two is Cam Smith. Um, he, he is probably my favorite golfer. I want to say to watch last year, just because, um, I don't know. I just love his game so much. Like the, uh, his approach play is, is so solid. Every, everything about his game. I love um, and I love his whole, like, um, just approach. Again, it seems like he, like, just doesn't – he's, like, so – Yeah, he's, like, so um, free out there, it seems like. Like, he's just – nothing's going to bother him. And, and the game – his game is just so good. Um, and I think like, we talked about guys who can go low and guys who are, like, built more for majors. And I think he's both – like, he – he just doesn't have a weakness. Like he can score with the best of them and he plays the, the toughest courses in the world with the best of them too. So um, yeah, so I, he's my number two. That's the first live mention on my list as well. So good one. Yeah. He, he's <laughs> um, he'll be forgotten this year, sort of, but yeah, he's such a stud. Um, number three, I need, I need some like liberal interpretation here and I need an asterisk on this. Um, and I just need to be allowed this for this pick. It's, golf cart tiger woods is my number three uh, i need i need tiger in the cart uh allowed to go through whatever course we're doing in the cart with assistance um hit the golf shots stay off the feet and just get back in the cart and move but if my life you know my life a billion dollars on the line i can't I, I can't go too far before i get tiger involved now, obviously, I can't I can't allow him to walk because we're we're done we're done with that. But yeah, if you'll allow me, Tiger, in the cart, he's my number three. I love that. Yeah, very yeah. creative pick. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. Didn't even cross my mind to be honest. So I love that. It, it probably shouldn't, Kev. Just <laughs> FYI, I don't think he's like shot under par in but, you know, years. But I but... think you I think your point is valid. Like if you if you need someone to come through in a clutch situation. There's a very short list, and I think you have to be on there 100%. Um, yeah, so my number three, I won't speak about him too much because I think you said it perfectly. My number three was your number two, so uh, I had John Rahm there for all the reasons you said. Yep. And then, I mean, we're going to be repetitive here down the stretch, so we'll, we'll breeze through. But my number four, Scotty Scheffler. And just to add to your point, like President's Cup, a dude was just a terminator there. And, and that's just, you know, you love to see that match play competition, like under, you know, literally the whole world is watching this competition. And whenever the whole world is on him, he's just, he, he's at or near the very top of the leaderboard. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. Um, num my number four is Will Zalatoris. So he last year was sort of a guy that like everyone was paying attention to, but hadn't seen enough yet really to be sure. 
Uh, and then just obviously had a break, huge breakthrough year last year, a um, lot of success. And I think it's only going to get better for him as, as it goes on. Um, just incredible talent, still super young, uh, gets a little bit of the yips, sometimes putting from inside like nice. four, three feet. But yeah, uh, but now the game, the game is there. And uh, I think the ceiling is even higher than what we've seen so far. So I'm excited to see what he has to bring this season as well. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. And it was great to see him play pain-free at the centuries, uh, with, at the century with his back and get get back into shape. Um, so my number five is going to be JT, Justin Thomas. And the reason for that is um, whatever course condition you throw out there on this particular day, like he's got the game for it. Um, I forget. I think I think it was the players last year that was in, um, you know, the 20 plus mile an hour wins. And, you know, he he's one of those guys that the tournament ended up being um, you know, the, the morning wave ended up getting a very calm day uh, on day one and a very calm day on day two in the afternoon, just how it fell. And the afternoon guys on day one turned into the morning guys on day two. And they took like gale force winds. And JT was in that second um, that second category. Uh, and, and for everybody else who just missed the cup by multiple shots because they're playing into a hurricane. I watched JT just go absolutely nuts with stinger after stinger to wedge play to creative shot. And I just really think he has the the game to fit anything. And and if I need somebody to play, like I need him to be condition proof. So that's the reason why he's he's on my list. Yeah, I think um, having uh, bones on the bag for him last year as well was big. Um, just the same thing, like he had, like you said, he has all the shots. It's just uh, kind of sometimes needs that like common voice, I think, and just some talk a little sense into him when he's. Um, you know, when he's out there on the course. So, yeah, I, I would think he's going to have a great year this year as well. Uh, my number five, <laughs> I'm not too happy with. It's not a, a fireworks pick by any means. We discussed this guy a little bit last week, but um, it's going to be Patrick Cantlay. You know, he's just so, oh, so boring. Oh, yeah. Terrible, terrible to, to root for yeah. and watch, really. But consistency, I mean, there's no, there's no better... <laughs> example so yeah um but i mean he yeah he i mean he's incredible incredibly talented golfer um for sure he just uh doesn't have very much of a personality he's basically a robot uh but you know when you want consistent performance sometimes that's what you want so uh it it was it pained me to put him on there but i I put him on yeah i love that all right dude i'm gonna be interested to see like if you know if we check in you know, a month from now, two months from now, how that list changed and who emerges. Like, I know there are a lot of guys, I, I made the comment to you and I'll make it again, like going through that type of exercise, I'm just looking at guys that are so good, but not even really in that conversation. Like Jordan Spieth, multiple time major winner, like top player now, like not even close to that conversation for me. Like Morikawa was left out. Like it's, it's, uh, it's pretty wild, but makes, makes for a fun season. So yeah, I'm super excited to get this, uh, get this going. Um, everybody should check their email, uh, get it. Um, keep, keep listening. Uh, yeah. And good, good luck. This should, this is, this is great. It's the best time of the year. For sure. I think it's always, it's fun to, to sort of keep track of this stuff, you know, what you thought you knew at the beginning of the season. And um, I'm sure we're going to be wrong in a ton of spots, but I'm sure we'll hit in a couple spots and be right as well. So it's always fun to go back and look at that stuff. And yeah, um, super excited for the season. Please, uh, continue to, to, to listen to the pod and, and share it out and, and uh, you know, talk about the, the tournament as well with people that you think might be on the fence. And if you can get them to join up next year, that'd be great.
Yeah. Yeah. And with that, with that in mind, you know, we'll, we'll take, um, if we can sneak people in like Wednesday night, we'll take entries up until Thursday. So if you know, you listen to this tomorrow and feel compelled to spread the word, like, please do it. It, it really is a fun event. I hope, uh, hope this will make it more fun. And we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll get it going uh, here this weekend. Sounds good. What are we up to at entry wise? Just no idea. Oh, no idea. Something uh, I want to say it's maybe around 20? 20, 20 something. 20 so. yeah, yeah, we're yeah. getting we're getting there. And when yeah, people, yeah. Uh, you know, people decide to exercise that buyback option, that's what really kind of builds the pot up quickly. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right, man. Cool. Catch you next week, dude. All right, later. All right, see you.